Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. And you can follow along on the screens behind me, or as always, on the ESV app or ESV.org. Would you please stand with me to honor God's word? John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They sent to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon, so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I recently had a a young lady uh, make an appointment to come meet and talk with me about spiritual warfare. That's what she said she wanted to talk about, spiritual warfare. You know, the idea of, right, there's, there's more to this world than what we see, that there's a creator who is not visible to us, and that there is an enemy uh, who also is not visible to us, and they're at war. And so her question was, how does Satan fight? Essentially, that was the question. How does Satan fight? And she had a few possibilities that she put out there. Does he do this? Does he do this? And I love when people come and ask questions, and kind of the first thing, or eventually one of the things we get to is, uh, we don't have all the answers. (laughs) So there there are things that is perfectly fine to say, I'm not sure. The Bible actually doesn't answer that directly. But there are other things that the Bible does answer directly. And so when someone asks me, How does the enemy fight? How does Satan, who Jesus spoke of regularly enough, how does he fight? I think of John chapter 8 and how Jesus described the enemy. How Jesus described Satan. And he says, Jesus said, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. 
When he lies, he's speaking his native tongue. That's what he does. He lies. And if he can get us to believe the lies, then we're trapped. The lies enslave us. They grip us with fear and all sorts of uncertainty. And and here's one of the lies that Satan loves to tell. I've heard it in my own head enough, and I've talked to enough of you to know he's telling you this lie too. And the lie is this, that the past dictates our future. The liar says our future is dictated by the past, and not our past successes, our past failures. That the way we have failed in the past, and often enough, right, it's easy to buy that lie because we've seen our past fail in, similar, in a similar manner repeatedly. And so this lie really comes home. You can't change. You're stuck. Your future is going to look like your past failures. That's what the liar says. In the passage we read today, the disciples have seen, or it's the story of the third time that Jesus appeared to them. So he's already appeared twice. This is the third time. What we also know from John and the other Gospels is Peter has had a colossal failure. Right? Peter, on the night Jesus was betrayed, denied even knowing Jesus three times just to save his own skin. Right? That there was this clear right thing to say and do. A clear, honorable action. And he chose the cowardly one. We read in John 18 how it went down. How Peter's failure went down. He denies Jesus once, and then he walks over to a charcoal fire. And he stands there and warms himself by the fire. And it's at this charcoal fire, a word that's only used twice in the New Testament, this specific type of fire, this charcoal fire mentioned twice in the New Testament. John 18, where Peter denies Jesus the last two times. Do you know him? No, no, no. The last two times while he's standing, warming himself by a charcoal fire. Now, Jesus has appeared two times already before we read this story, and Peter's failure hasn't come up. How do you think Peter's feeling? You know, when you've done something horrible, you know the person knows, but you've seen him a couple times now and it hasn't come up. Maybe it's not going to come up. But what we read in this text Chapter 21, verse 9, is that Jesus has started a charcoal fire. So Peter was so excited to see, that's the Lord, right? John identifies, it's the Lord. Peter 
puts his garment back on, dives into the water, comes and sees Jesus, and sees, boom, charcoal fire. Huh. Jesus says, go get some fish. What's Peter thinking as he goes to get the fish? Charcoal fire. Is he going to bring it up? Does he know? I, I, I think he knows. Is he going to bring it up? Charcoal fire. Okay, he comes back with the fish. They eat. Now, I'm going to continue with John 21. We stopped right at that point, right? We stopped at verse 14. Picking up at verse 15, it becomes clear that Jesus was very intentional in starting this charcoal fire so that Peter would not be able to forget or to go into some kind of wishful denial that it never happened. What Jesus is about to do is address the lie of the liar. That the liar says, Peter, and to all of us, your past will dictate your future. Jesus may have risen from the dead, but you didn't. And we know what you did. You're going to do it again. What's your charcoal fire? Or maybe I should ask, what's one of your charcoal fires? Right? What's one of those things that you just hope nobody ever brings up? That you look back and you know, the way I spoke to my parents, the way I betrayed my friends, even the way I've treated my enemies, the way I've treated my spouse, the things I've done to my kids... I don't want to think about that moment. I don't want to remember what I said. Too painful. Too hard. Don't bring me to that charcoal fire. But Jesus brings Peter to it. And he brings it to him for a reason. Because he wants us to know if we will remain with him, if we'll stay with Jesus, our future is glorious despite the past. If we remain in Christ, this is a guarantee, as sure as Jesus rose from the dead. If we remain in Christ, our future is glorious despite the past. When Peter comes back with the fish, it doesn't say this, but i got to believe it happened. What it says is they began to eat. I've never seen any place in the Bible where they didn't sit down, or at least in the New Testament, where they didn't sit down to eat. I think the first thing, that what we really see happening when we have this fish, this meal going on, we have Peter coming to a charcoal fire, and it's almost like Jesus is intentionally slowing it down. Like, sit down by it. Eat with me. When the first time he was at that charcoal fire, he's standing by it. You can almost see it, right? Like, he's cold. Sure, he's cold. Okay. 
But I'll bet he's plenty anxious too. A lot of anxiety. Standing by the fire. Sees that charcoal fire again in this text. Uh, I really don't want to sit down by the charcoal fire. Jesus gives them fish. They're eating. Slow it down. Take some time. If there was ever any doubt that Jesus, in Peter's mind, that Jesus knew, it goes away in the next verse. Beginning at verse 15, and then 16, and then 17, right after the text we just read, Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. Three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And so he slows Peter down, and then he begins to talk to him about his failure in a way that Peter can get it. His first question is going to be the same as his second and third. He asks the same one all three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter's first two responses, they're different than his third. His first two times, the first two times Peter's asked this, he says, "Um, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's interesting how that feels. You know, it's just, it's yes, Lord, you know that I love you. It's almost, it feels to me like when Peter's saying it, it's almost like he stands back up. Right? Yes, Lord, do you love me? Yes, you know I do. He said this, by the way, right before he failed three times. I'll never deny you. You know I love you. Yes, Lord. The third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? It says Peter grieved. That's a good thing. You know, the Bible says all sorts of things about anger, like bad, don't do it, don't explode, right? We love to do that when we look back on our past failures. We, we like to kind of rage and keep people away from it. Get angry every time it comes up. You know what the Bible says about people who mourn? They'll be comforted. When we look back on past failures... It's good to mourn, to grieve. I think Peter's grieving at this point because he remembers. Here he is with his Savior, and he remembers how badly he failed. And his third response, it's different than the first two. The first two, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. The third one, Lord, you know everything. You know all things. That feels lower, right? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. When we're looking back on past failures, we can mourn and then just look to Jesus and count on him It feels like a change to me between those first two responses and the third one. The first two, they were too quick. Slow down. 
feel that charcoal fire, Peter. I saw it. I know it. And it's not like, by the way, that Jesus needs to somehow be vindicated by Peter. He has just risen from the dead. (laughs) He is vindicated. He is innocent and risen and alive. He wants Peter to feel it for Peter's sake. Like, don't fly through it so fast. Slow down. I do know you love me. But I actually, I need you just to sit down and look at me and count on me. Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Peter's at a better place now. But he's actually not done yet. He's not quite there. What happens next, after Peter gets answers it three times, is they take a little walk. Right? Or, oh, I'm sorry. Verse 18. The next thing he tells Peter, he says, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were older, others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. That's interesting, right? John makes it clear what's being talked about. Peter's crucified, right? That's not in the Bible, but Peter's crucified in 64 AD under Nero. We know from other church history that's how it went down. John knows that's how it went down. He makes it clear in the very next verse, which we're not quite at yet. But in verse 18... Jesus tells Peter, the day is coming where you're going to be spread out just like I was. You're going to be crucified. That's interesting, right? We know from Peter's response that he wasn't too thrilled with that comment. Because what we find out, what we hear is, he then turned and looked back at John and said, what about him? that's That's not the good place. That's not the place we know when we're at our best. What about him? That's almost never good. But what he's told is, no, no, you're going to be spread out. And you're going to die. You're going to be dressed. It won't be you dressing yourself. And you won't be deciding where you go. I think Peter initially took that Almost like a curse. Judging by his response. I am willing to bet that as he matured, he did not take that as a curse, but as a blessing and a promise. Here's what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, do you remember your colossal failure? What were you doing You were concerned that they were going to kill you. They probably were going to kill him at that first charcoal fire. And in order to save your skin, you lied. You failed. Here's what's going to happen, Peter. It's going to happen again. And this time, you won't fail. You will be courageous. You will be the man that you want to be. You will be all that I created you to be. And John knows this too. 
And John said, Jesus said this to show Peter the type of death by which he would glorify God. Did he glorify God at the first charcoal fire? No. When we think back on our moments, did we glorify God at our charcoal fires? They're disastrous and discouraging. But here's the promise. Peter, stay with me. It will change. The day's coming. You will be courageous. You will finish the work that I've given you to do. And you will glorify God. It'll be a glorious future for you. Despite your past. Same for us. Do you know why it's the same for us? Because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And His promise is, if we'll believe and trust Him, He'll connect Himself and change us from the inside out. John's ending is glorious too. Right? John is in the midst of living out the longest of all the disciples. He may be writing like 30 years, 20 years after Peter died. He's looking back on the whole thing and he's saying, let me tell you, I was there. I saw him risen from the dead. We went out fishing. We caught nothing. We caught all these fish. We counted them up because I was there. We had to count them. There's so many. So we counted. 153. The nets didn't even tear. I saw Peter put on his outer garment and jump in the water. These are details of an eyewitness. And John's saying, look, I was there at the very beginning of his ministry. And by the way, he's the last one mentioned in the Gospel of John. He's saying, I was there the whole time. He's risen from the dead. And so if we'll allow him to sit us down and ask us questions and help us process these failures, not to deny them or too quickly say I'm over them, but to mourn them and turn to Him and trust Him. He'll change us. And our future will be glorious. He will complete the work He has started in us. Satan doesn't just lie to people who don't know Jesus. He lies to everybody. He lies to people who know him, to people who don't know him, and he wants to tell everybody there's no hope for you that your past failures will crush you moving forward. You'll never change. Jesus frees us from the lies because he's the truth. If we remain in Christ, our future is glorious despite the past. At this time, Alex and the band are going to come lead us in a song of response as we praise our risen Savior who is able to change us from the inside out.